Hello. Hey. I have some shame, shame. Well, I, it's not really shame because we yeah, have no idea what fault. happened. <laughs> Life happens. Yeah. Should we tell So them? we should. <laughs> so in this episode of West Side Story, me and I recorded, there was a sudden, like literal sudden just change in the quality of Mita's mic and her volume yeah. and all of that. We have absolutely no idea what happened because there was no disturbance. There was nothing that happened. And I've done what I can to fix it. I'm not an audio engineer. It's listenable. It's not amazing, especially because I finally figured out how to record my voice properly after 140 episodes. <laughs> and Mita's been doing it so right for so long. But you'll notice it. You'll notice it. It was a ghost. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there, Everything happens for a reason. Maybe the ghost was trying to tell us something. Exactly. I don't know. But you should still listen to this episode. You should still listen to this episode. <laughs> it's a good episode. We yeah. talk about a lot of interesting things. And we're not going to keep you from it, but we just, just want to let you know. Yeah. So listen, have fun. TTYL. <laughs> Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. Okay. Snapping. Just snap. Just the snaps. Yeah. They do snap. I was at so worried parts. my hands were going to be dry. Yeah, I was that so happens. worried. I was like, I hope my hands are like, I hate this word, but moist enough <laughs> that I can produce a solid snap. And I've been practicing all day. It's unfortunate <laughs> that the word moist has been co-opted by sex. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So it's terrible. But we don't have time to talk about moist sex. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. We have a lot to say, Mita. We have so much stuff because to talk about. Because the Golden Globes were yesterday. They really were. They were yesterday. <laughs> now, just for our listeners' sake, typically what Mita and I really try to do before during award season is record this portion fresh. Mm-hmm. But because the Golden Globes were on a random Tuesday, yes. we were not able to get our small talk portion in for Sons and Lovers. So that's why it's going to be before West Side Story a week after the Golden Globe. So this might seem stale and the excitement might seem like, why are they so excited? But this is why, because it is still fresh. Yeah, it literally happened last night. We were going to record last night, but then we were smart and we're like, we're going to be super tired yeah. if we record. And I was super tired. Because let's start it off. That show went way super too long. late and did not need to. No, didn't need to. And also the... I, like, just launching right in. The order of the awards was dumb. That was a hot mess. That was that. It was not the best Golden Globes. No. That was probably one of the worst Golden yeah. Globes it I've ever arguably, watched. Especially because there have been so many good ones recently. Mainly mm-hmm. because of Tina and Amy. I'm not yeah. even going to pretend. Even Ricky Gervais. Even Ricky Gervais. And who did after Tina and Amy? Was it Jimmy Fallon? Was it Seth or was it was it Andy Samberg and um, Sandra O? Oh? Yes, they did it once and they yeah. were good. And I think Seth Meyers did one. I think Seth Meyers did one. Yeah, and they were all good hosts. And you yeah. know who wasn't a good host? <laughs> Jared Ger- Carmichael. I, I thought no, isn't his name Gerard? Gerard? Is it Gerard? <laughs> I don't care. They said Gerard, and I was like, I've been calling him Jared for a really long time. Sure. Because as someone on a forum that I follow, like a Carl DeWards Daily pointed out, he was the worst host of all the hosts who have ever hosted something. <laughs> anything. Of anything. Hosted anything. He was, I once emceed a, a wedding reception and better. I didn't do that great. I was probably better yeah. than him. Yeah. He was terrible. <laughs> Just I no charisma whatsoever. Who thought that this was a good idea? I like really want to know. Who thought? And like he started off... The joke about, like, I'm here because I'm black, totally funny and appropriate and all of that. Don't start off your hosting by telling A-list celebrities in a room to shut up. Yeah. 
it was just simmer down. It was Calm just down. like, and like it wasn't even that loud. It wasn't even, and that's. Have you never watched the Golden Globes before? Like, even as a person who has never attended and just watched from home, it's always that loud. Also, we just literally watched the red carpet, so we know that people are rushing to get yeah. in there. So yeah, it might be a little bit loud. It's also not the Oscars. <laughs> like, I was just taken aback by like, you are a nobody. Like, read the room. And then, like, I read some reviews. A lot of people didn't like it. Some people are saying it was good. I'm going to say something controversial. And I think okay. people, some people are liking him purely because he was black. I, I have mean, read some. I think you'd have to. I haven't read. I have any read a few things from it. people say okay. that, like, he was great. And it's like, it wasn't the jokes that didn't land. He just started off on the worst foot possible. Because there were some jokes where I'm like, this could be so funny, yes. but your delivery is so poor right now. So and poor. And like the the vibe, like it felt like, I told you it felt like being in a comedy club. Like it was like too intimate. Yeah. I'm like, this is the Golden Globes. There should be some stature. This is the first one back after ha- not having aired one last yeah. year. Like there should be something really exciting about this. And he was just so flat. He was so flat and unfunny. Yeah. Like, some of the mm-hmm. jokes, it wasn't even the riskiness of the jokes. Like, the Will Smith joke wasn't funny, but didn't land. The Tom Cruise joke was hilarious. Was funny. Was funny. Was funny. It just didn't yeah. land because he didn't no. know how to deliver anything. No. And what was, what did, what was, he kept on calling the ho- the presenters incomparable? Incomparable. All of them. Everybody's incomparable. Was, or incomparable. Yeah. It was just and you asked a really good question today when we were just talking about, like, do ho- do shows need hosts? Do they? I don't think they do, but a good host can make a good show. Tina and Amy proved three times in a row. You can direct that thing. Yeah. And set the tone. Be hilarious. Be risky and kind of make jokes and poke fun and still not be offensive. Why don't they want to do it again? I think they said, well, they did it also, that weird pandemic one, right? Where it was all, yeah. and that just Where felt they, flat. Amy was in New York, in, yeah. or no, Tina was in New York, Amy was in LA, which is how they used to do the Oscars. Yes, which is, it yes. was, it's just not the world we live in. And not anymore, no. It just, anyways, like, I think this was just a mess, unfortunately, and the ratings are reflecting that. Uh, well, yeah. Also, like, I, well, I also think when you talk about the order of things, I think they were being strategic because I had so many people messaging me at like 930. Oh, should I tune in now? And I'm like, this, this thing started at eight o'clock. Yeah. Like, why are you watching right at eight o'clock? Yeah. And I think they know that people tend to watch later. And so they wanted to show people winning like Jennifer Coolidge and like, some of the TV ones, because yeah. maybe that's what people are more interested in these days as opposed to movies. They wanted to show those later so people could see those people win. That's fair. That's actually not uh, like that crazy idea because TV is mm-hmm. very popular these days, more so than movies, I'd say, even though movies are still the the driving force. But like, I think the other thing is it was on a Tuesday. We almost forgot it was happening. Yeah. So, like, Mm -hmm. if movie buffs are forgetting or, like, unaware of the day, that's a bad sign. It was on Tuesday. People don't have cable anymore. Like, a lot of people are probably streaming it. I don't know. Nadeem struggled to watch. I struggled because I don't have cable. And it wasn't, I'll get cable for the Oscars, possibly. I did that last year. But for the Globes, I'll figure it out. And I did. So, it wasn't the end of the world. I will say, some of the award winners were nice. Some of the Mm -hmm. speeches were lovely. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was kind of it. That was it. Yeah. There wasn't anything standout about, like, I'm not going to, like, remember that year at the Golden Globes? I think I will say that the Everything Everywhere All at Once, both of the wins by Michelle Yeoh and Kehui. Kehui Kwan. Kehui Kwan. Their speeches were excellent and well-deserved. Colin Farrell was, like, charming as A good speech, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was great. Like, and I think... And, you know, Banshees of Anisha and winning Best Comedy, while not what I expected, was still a nice win. I'm glad. I'm glad for a lot of it. I'm really disappointed Steven Spielberg won and that the Fablemans won because mm-hmm. it's such a bland choice. Who would you rather? Honestly, Mita, like I, I've said this and I'll say it again and I'll probably say it till the end. There are three very good films this year. Everything Everywhere, Tar and Banshees. Mm hmm. 
And fine, Banshees and Everything Everywhere were in comedy, so they couldn't be in drama. But drama could have gone to Tar, rightfully so. It could have gone to, I don't even, like, Top Gun was not really, like, a great option. But The Fablemans is just, it's such a bland choice, Mita, in a year that is actually full of some excellent cinema. And that doesn't happen rare, like, often, right? It's kind of like if No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood were both there and Michael Clayton won. Like, it's just, it's kind of just like, so we're picking the, like, the white bread of the choices? Yeah, I also, well, I think it's the, it's the Steven Spielberg of it all. Yeah. Right? I think people still have in their mind, like, this might be it for him for some, for whatever reason. I don't think it is. I think he's going to continue to make movies. Until he dies. But I think people, there's some sort of finality that comes, is that a word? Finality? Yeah. 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 Okay. There's some sort of sense of, like, a finale with this movie because it's so personal to him. But, like, even hearing his speech and talking, hearing him talk about how, like, this was a story that needed to be told. Having seen the movie, I was like, was this was really this? a story that needed to be told? Yeah. Like, have I not? I've kind of, I think there is a story within your story that should be told and you don't um, expose that enough. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. he, and I think what he tries to do is dance around issues. Mm-hmm. in the movie and I think that's what's frustrating because he does what Steven Spielberg does and tries to whitewash something that should be darker Yeah, and as a result you get a movie as bland as The Fablemans in my opinion I think yeah. it would be I, I can see it winning I can see it being the coda of the year or the king's speech of the year especially like now that we're doing this podcast and actually seeing what's nominated versus what wins and how often the bland choice actually prevails yeah. I can see this now heading in that direction, and I will be so disappointed if it does, especially in a year where there are some top-tier films, memorable, memorable films. I think the SAGs will really tell everything for us. The guilds in general do, trust, yeah. I don't trust the Golden Globes all the time. Not Yeah, and actually, like if you look at the past years, CODA didn't win anything last year. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a year, the year that, you know, Birdman won, it didn't win Best Picture. Like, there's a lot of examples of um movies winning gold, golden globes and not going anywhere at the oscars so and we still have like eight weeks yeah we have till the oscars we have like, like two anything weeks until, can happen yeah well we have two weeks until nominations after nominations right. it's kind of like a things start but to I, settle i think we know where nominations no, are heading. i think nominations can are can still surprise us because really? do you remember that your phantom thread came out Mm-hmm. I was just looking at this today. Phantom Thread was not nominated for anything. It didn't have any guilds. It wasn't a Golden Globe nominee. And then it ended up getting Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director. Like, it won a bunch of... It just came out of nowhere. Okay. So, so there's still surprises. There's still surprises left. And okay. I hope one of those surprises is an RRR Best Picture nomination still. I'm, like, holding out. Nadim, I actually think they like counted wrong i think it did win best born why based on what Globes. my heart because <laughs> <laughs> i think they counted wrong there's no way that was the but... one surprise because that movie argentina 1985 no one predicted to win no one's even heard of argentina <laughs> because it was really a battle between all quiet on the western front and rrr and maybe close yeah. like there was really like only there was really those movies rrr was in contention for sure but mm-hmm. Argentina 1985 was nowhere. And so I was really disappointed by that, but super happy it won Best So song. happy that it did. It was really it was nice. Great. And I think if you read the chat or the chat, people are saying like it's a lock at least for a nomination at this point. There we go. Which is nice. And it would be really, really nice if that was RRR was the one that kind of like got through. Oh my God, does that mean if it, w- if it gets nominated for Best Song at the Oscars, then they get to do a performance. That's what people are like rooting for. People are saying, and like not Indian people, other like fans from like North America are like, like don't screw this up Academy because you could have NTR Jr. and Ram Charan perform this on yeah. stage and it would be wild. It would be so good. So good. So I do hope that happens. And I do, I really hope and I... I was really sad that it didn't win, but I'm still hopeful because Directors Guild nominations came out today. S.S. Rajamoli wasn't nominated, but you know who also wasn't nominated? James Cameron. (laughs) So that is very interesting. But the guy who directed Top Gun is. Honestly, so I have not seen Avatar The Way of Water, so I can't comment. But which do you think has a 
I mean, it's director. Which do you think is a better directed film? Look, you can say what you want about James Cameron, but like he is a director, if nothing else. And that is, it's a monumental achievement what he does. Mm -hmm. Like everything in its place, right? That's the only one. Because the other four are Todd Fields, Frere Tar, Banshees, Everything Everywhere, and Fablemans. Like, it's starting to... And this is also the part of the award season where everything starts to, like, align. It starts to get a little boring right Wouldn't now. Wouldn't a great director be able to pinpoint sort of the weak spots in their film story and work on mending that? Yes and no, I will say. I don't think... What's his name, by the way? We should He should not just be the director of Top Gun. I'm forgetting his name. I'm just looking it up right now quickly. Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. So I think Top Gun is more Tom Cruise than Joseph Kaczynski. Oh, for sure. That's the thing. I don't think he actually directed it as much as Tom Cruise directed that. They needed Tom Cruise, though, because he didn't want to do it. Oh, he didn't? He didn't want to do Top Gun. Oh, wow. I can see that. And Joseph Kaczynski met with him. And, like, did a pitch. And he was like, okay, we'll do it. There you okay. Go. You can't have Top Gun without Tom Cruise. No. That just would never work. But Top, I think Tom Cruise was just like, that wasn't a film. That's not a film that was, like, the caliber of what I do now in terms of action. Oh, wow. In terms of action. Yeah. And so that's why he was hesitant. Even though Tony Scott, was it Tony Scott? Tony Scott was trying to write something and then he passed away. Yeah. But Tom Cruise was never really interested. In doing a sequel. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. You got to watch these um, variety <laughs> roundtables. No, I know. <laughs> or Hollywood Reporter roundtables. They get interesting, some of yeah. them. But yeah, that was the Globes, and this is award season. And do you have anything else to say? Um, I guess I the thing I liked the most from seeing from this award season was seeing Michelle Yeoh, or not award season, yeah. but from the Golden Globes, Michelle Yeoh, Jennifer Coolidge, and Angela Bassett, all women who are over- 50 yeah i think they're Even, in their well kate blanchett too kate blanchett as well women who are yeah. older yeah being recognized and being celebrated because i think i mean i i feel like olivia coleman helped walk away from that but there's always been this sense of like it's this is the young ingenue's time to win an award like we had our years of jennifer lawrence and anne hathaway and brie larson yeah. and people really want margot robbie and anna de armas to win oscars too but like yeah I think it's important to also celebrate the women who have been doing it for a long time and have been doing it really well and consistently. And like, I love a young ingenue, don't get me wrong, but a lot of them win this award and, and go nowhere. And then where did they go? They abandon yeah. it a little bit. So I think it's great to see women of a certain age winning awards. Yeah. And especially in the case of Michelle Yeoh, she's, and she's very vocal about how like this was unexpected and how like she thought her career was done and, this kind of came out of nowhere. She's 60, first of yeah. all. She does not look it at all. No. And she, she looks she incredible. She will beat you up and it'll hurt. <laughs> yeah, she looks incredible. And I think it's great. I really, I love Kate Blanchett and I think she's excellent in Tar. And they really do go neck and neck in terms of performance. It really could go either way. But for Michelle Yeoh and the career she's had and what it defines, I really hope she wins. Oh, I hope so too. I, yeah. I will be fine if it's Kate Blanchett. Because yeah, because her. she does deserve it. Yes. But it, I think it's going to be yo. Yo or no-go. So. <laughs> we'll see at the guilds before we get to the Oscars. Okay, we do have to talk about the Sharks and the Jets. Yeah. But, Mita, I wanted to have a sp- particular discussion with yeah. you before we go there. I have been telling you to watch uh-huh. Gangu Bai Kathiawardi yeah. for like a year. A year, Mita. Okay. And anytime Mita comes to me and she's like, Nadim, what should I watch? I'm like, oh, Mita, you should watch Gangubai. And she's like, I'm not feeling it tonight. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. And then suddenly Mita just decided one day last week, I'm going to watch it. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> quickly, Gangubai Gatiawari, as we and we'll just call her Gangu, yeah. is a Bollywood movie that came out last February starring... Ali the incomparable <laughs> Ali Abhat. I thought you forgot her name for a second. No. The incomparable Ali Abhat directed by the legendary Sanjalila Bhansali. And I was curious to know Mita's thoughts. And we saved them for this podcast. Would you like to know why I waited so long? Tell me. So the premise that you had given me 
before was that this mm-hmm. was a story about a prostitute in India. Yeah. Um, and her rise in life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to watch a story about prostitutes <laughs> in India. I thought that it was going to be really miserable. I thought it was going to be yeah. a miserable watch. So that okay. was like my mentality all throughout it. And then I don't know. I just suddenly was like, you know what? I have two and a half hours to spare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I give this a try? And the second I saw Alia Butt on that screen, I was like, oh, yeah. I should have watched this <laughs> earlier. <laughs> she is so good in She's this. So good. So good. So She's good. So Nadine. good. So good. I, I've I've liked her for a long time. I yeah. think she's cute and everything. I didn't realize she could do this. We should be talking about Alia Putt being a Best Actress nominee. Honestly. Because, okay, Honestly. Movie, movie, I think, like, the story is a little cheesy, which, like, it can be. But it's, it's directed quite well because it doesn't lean into the cheese as much no, as it, it could have. Like, there is some restraint there, which is really mm-hmm. good. And it is a very interesting story. It's much more compelling than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like mm-hmm. really miserable, but it's very interesting, especially that it's based off of a true story. But she, as she should be, is carrying this movie and is yeah. just so the voice. I yeah. was so shocked because like when I think Alia, but I think of her on the couch of coffee with Karen, coffee with just, Karen, like, yeah. giggling, <laughs> like ha- yeah. having coffee. And yeah. she is so it's, she literally transforms herself. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I knew it was her, but I didn't recognize her at all in it. Like I, I saw her take on the persona of someone else, and I didn't know she was capable of this. I always think of like student of the year. <laughs> or, I mean, she's done so much more since student of yes, the year. Right? But that's like my first time I ever yeah. met her. Right, <laughs> seeing yeah. her, and now I kind of get year, she's yeah. trying to p- play like a poo like character. In student of the year, in student that's of where the she's year, going. but I didn't realize like the range of her talent, and she's, it's she's so good. She's so good. She's she. I always felt Gangubai is a it's a it's a decent film, elevated by a spectacular performance. Mm-hmm. Like it is a movie you watch for the performance, yes. and every and she's in every frame, she's in every scene, and there are some electric moments. And like that dance she does in Dolida at the very end yeah. with a single shot of her just it, dancing in single form. And she's literally going through grief in that dance on her facial experience. It's, but it's she spectacular. Dance, it's like sometimes the issue with Bollywood movies is like when there's these dance sequences, it's just a dance mm-hmm. sequence. She is yeah. dancing as the character would dance yeah. herself. Like it's not like it's just so, she's. Oh, it's good. It's really <laughs> yeah. good. And he brings out some, there's some, it's written in such a way that there's some excellent scenes that allow her to be that way. And Sanjali Lepensali is kind of hit and miss with me, I find. But there's some sequences in this. That see, there's one sequence particularly, like early on in the movie, one of the prostitutes comes to her and asks her, can you write a letter to my father? Yeah. And she's like, what do you want me to say? And then all the prostitutes, one by one, Start saying the things they would that, like, the father. they would write. I found I was so moved by that. And then it ends I was with like, a shot of her face of her, yeah. of just being like, I'm okay. And that's it. I'm sorry, but I'm okay. It's such a, it's such a moving sequence. And how she interacts with Ajay Devgan and how she interacts with the, the um, journalist, the journalist, yeah. and how she, you know, there's, there's so many great sequences in this. And she just she carries it and i think it's really disappointing the way the award season is so north american centric because that is a performance so be- better than michelle yo really mita you know i love the uh, okay wait no i want to watch i the- think it's comparable i would <laughs> say it's comparable incomparable <laughs> i think i i think I, I do think that if this was a different world, she would be in the conversation. I Yeah, for sure. I'm just, yeah. I, I don't know if she would win, but she would be, it would she be between be the three of them. She should be nominated. Kick out Michelle Williams, honestly. Kick out Michelle Williams. Kick out honestly, Anna I don't think Armist, she, by the way, which I haven't seen Blonde, but like, You haven't really? seen, but Mita, I think now you should watch Blonde okay. because this is how, Anna de Armas is good in Blonde and she does do a nice job, but the way Alia Putt controls that screen, it's a marvel. Yeah. It's really, truly 
uh, like it's disappointing that more people didn't see that performance and that she's not getting more recognition for it. And also, I always thought Deepika was the stronger of the two, but now I've switched. Aliyah is the stronger performer of the two of them. Aliyah has more diversity. And like you haven't seen some of her films like Urta Punjab no. where it's she is her filmography is spectacular. She has done and when you watch Student of the Year now, you watch it with a whole other perspective. perspective. Because you're like, oh, this girl actually knows exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that people try to pull the Nepo baby with her, but like, no, it's warranted. No, like, it's warranted. Thank God she was born to Mahesh, but then we could get her in a movie right away because we need her. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is doing such an excellent job, and like, uh, you know, uh, Razi and Dilly Boy, and like, just one thing after the other, and she is just so good. So I'm, I'm super glad you liked it, and I'm super glad you you watched it. Yeah. But speaking of things we watch. Yeah. Oh, we're finally here? (laughs) We're finally here. But honestly, like, we're finally here. Like, I'm so excited that we're here. 1961. Yeah, Yeah. this feels like we're leaving behind. I've never heard of this movie before. Even though there There are a couple of Tom Joneses in here. (laughs) But this this feels like we've turned a corner. Yes. Because, Mita, what did we watch? This week... We watched 1961's Best Picture winner, West Side Story. West Side Story. Musical extraordinaire. Yes. Is it my turn? It's your turn to read the IMDb Discro. I'm going to give you the quick IMDb Discro for those of you who haven't seen West Side Story. uh, And those of you who haven't seen West Side Story, shame on you. But here's what IMDb says about it. Two youngsters from rival New York gangs fall in love, but tensions between the respective friends build toward tragedy. That's it. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it encapsulates like the actual magic that is West Side Story. Yeah. Because I effin love West Side Story. It is my favorite American movie musical. Wow. Of all the movie musicals. So I was super stoked to watch this Mm -hmm. because I love West Side Story. I've seen it in many forms. I did take the time to rewatch the Steven Spielberg one. Did you? A part of it, but I didn't get to finish it. Okay, yeah. It was a busy weekend for me. Though. Yeah. But I, I freaking love West Side Story. And I was really trying to watch it with an open mind, mm-hmm. without the preconceived kind of... Notion that you love this movie. N- that I love this film. And I still landed on the same feeling. It's hard not to. Yeah. Because even I was trying to think back, like, the first time I ever watched this, like, what mm-hmm. were my feelings? And there is... Something so palpable about it, especially because we've watched some real duds of musicals. Like we've had Broadway yep. Melody. I think The Great Ziegfeld is considered a musical. It's kind of a musical, yeah. An American in Paris and even Gigi. Like mm-hmm. in terms of musical, they fall flat. Like they don't they yeah. don't have that excitement and joy that comes from watching a musical. And this yeah. has it. <laughs> it's this the has it, it factor. I actually remember I was, my sister had rented this and I had like an afternoon or something and it was just sitting there and I was just like, let's just turn it on. And I remember from the moment the first gang fight dance kind of happens, that whole introduction to the Jets and the Sharks and Bernardo and Riff, I remember being like, wait, why are they doing that? What am I watching? (laughs) What am I watching right now? And I remember being hooked. And I remember getting to Mambo and being like, why is this so freaking catchy? And why are they doing everything I want them to do right now? I watching it this time, though, I was like, we I think you and I really particularly love this because this is like watching a Bollywood movie. A really well-made Bollywood film. It really is the dance. There is and there is meet the electricity off of this film. Mm -hmm. You really, it's very palpable. It's very, you really truly feel energetic watching this. Even with the lesser performers. Because I think this is like one of the rare occurrences where like your leads are kind of your duds. But the supporting cast is like so attractive and so good. And that's really what like pulls you into it. It's like you want to see more of them. Well, before I go into things personally, at least that I don't like about West Side Story. Mm -hmm. And like, I have a lot to say about that. Rita Marino oh is amazing in this. So good. 
She's so good. That Oscar and I is always, deserved. That Oscar is so deserved. I forget how good she is in this. Because it's not just her singing in America and her dancing in that scene. She, Her performance is so good. From like start to end, she, there's not a bad moment to her. And she lights up the screen. She carries the movie for me. She carries the film. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things about... So I did watch the Steven Spielberg one. Yeah. And I was interested because I watched this and I was like, okay, there's no way this is going to compare. And I did watch it, and I remember liking it last year. How much of it did you watch? Not much, like half an hour, not even. Oh, okay, so not much. So I remember watching it last year and liking it, and then I watched it this time, and I was just like, okay, this movie is doing some things very well. And especially its treatment of, like, race relations Mm -hmm. and all of that, it does well. And some of the performances are great. And, you know, it takes advantage of technology and how to shoot something and lighting and costuming. Like, it does take care, take advantage of the technical movement we've had since 1961 yeah. to really set these dances as, like, best as they can be, mm-hmm. which is great. But there was one thing I noticed in this that I noticed in the, like, both, both versions, yeah. and that is... That Tony is a wet blanket of a character. Tony's the worst. <laughs> worst. The worst. In every way possible. Just, first of all, I don't understand, and I think the actor has said this too, is he's supposed to have started the Jets, right? So, like, he's supposed yeah. to be a bad boy. But why is he so nice? Like, I think it's really unbelievable that he would be this, like, nice, sweet, loving, caring yeah. boy when he's, like, a bad boy Jet. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Like, there should be some edge to him. Yes, there should be some sense of danger. Exactly, and there's none. And he's a wet blanket of a character, first and foremost, because I think Maria is actually interesting. She has an interesting arc, and she has interesting... Like, she has more depth to her, Mm -hmm. because she's not just... It's not just the love story that drives her. It's her desire to make a life for herself in America. So that's really great. Mm -hmm. And I think Natalie Wood does do an excellent job of that, even though she's white. But we don't have to, like... I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think we need to get into that with this. I don't think it's like a thing because I do really like Natalie Wood in this. I think she's very good. But the other thing I realized is that Tony has the worst songs in the movie too. Oh, yeah. Like all the slow ballads. And the thing is, this movie is not about the, the slow songs, the love songs and the like ballads. It's just they're not good. But the other thing, though, is the worst songs in this are still very good. <laughs> like, they're not terrible. I wouldn't say, oh, like, no, no, I would no. never listen to Tonight or I wouldn't listen to Maria. Like, they're good songs. They're just not what stands out the most. They're not America. They're not Mambo. Like, it's not exhilarating. It's not cool. Yeah. It's not, cool, yeah, because cool. everyone else gets the better songs. Mm-hmm. Everyone else gets the better songs. And it's not, I think the big thing about... What works about West Side Story? The dancing and the choreography are so good. On point. So on point. Mm-hmm. And so when you have the songs without the dancing, you're kind of like, oh. Do who choreographed the new one? Do you know? Oh, someone. Oh, someone. Not someone, Im- <laughs> not someone important not in Adam that Shankman. way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not Adam Shankman. Not someone like that. It was really just a choreographer. Which is interesting because for West Side Story 1961, the directors were under, like, that director and the choreographer. Yes, they both and the choreographer. The title. Yes. Because Jerome Robbins, it's it's incredible, the choreography. The dance and is a character in itself. It absolutely is. And it drives the movie. And it's one thing that's actually missing in the new one, I found. Because I found that the dancing and the music is really a character in the in the original. Mm-hmm. And it really is a driving force where it, be- it becomes very secondary in Steven Spielberg's version. And as a result, the songs don't stand out the same way. They don't have the same electricity. They don't have the same vibe about them. But watching Mambo in the 1961 version, it feels, it's so exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting, that song. And that's what you need in a musical, though. You need something to be that driving force. Because I think the great thing about this song, and that is also in Bollywood movies, is that they are actually, like, driving the plot. They are telling you about your characters. They're telling Mm -hmm. you a story. Whereas, like, when we watch something like Gigi or An American in Paris, the songs in those, or even the dance in American in Paris, doesn't move anything forward. I'm not learning anything about this movie. I'm not being told a story. There's 
the song and dance in this is a part of its storytelling in itself. And that's what's just so exciting about it. There's actual like color. There's actual movement. Yeah. And I think one thing that's actually really pertinent is that this is really the first time that we've seen a musical like this up until this point, right? Mm -hmm. Because An American in Paris, which was the bigger film that won Best Picture, Gigi was, I think, less musical, more rom-com kind of thing that just had some songs in it. Whereas American in Paris was trying to be like a, a big musical. But the music just feels like disjoint from it. And it doesn't feel disjoint from it now. Like it really feels like it, you're watching something that's cohesive. And at no point was I thinking like, oh, another song? <laughs> like, I, I, no, you're actually I'm waiting for more. To the songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to dance with them. Yeah. You want to dance with them. You, you are like wrapped up in all of that, that like excitement. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the focus of the 1961 and the 2021 movies about race, the focus. Okay. Because the one thing that the the new version does very well is really shift the focus about racism and xenophobia. But here's the thing. And the original one talks about it and kind of doesn't gloss over it. But it's a very subdued, very light way. Yeah. And again, the 2021 version has the benefit of being in 2021 where they are able to. Yes. But here's the thing. Would a me- if you were to if I were to tell you, "Hey, Mita, I'm making a movie musical about racism and xenophobia." <laughs> right? It does not sound great to me. No. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but what I think is actually successful about the 2021 movie is it's not as in your face as that sounds like it would be. But that's because it's West Side Story. Story. But that, it's the perfect time to do it. Like, it's actually really smart to take something that is so beloved and something that already in that underlying story, it exists. Mm-hmm. And then to make something that has even much more of a stronger point to it. And I don't think it's like too saturated as well. Like, I think he did a really good job of like making the point clear, but not isolating people at the same time. Yeah, and I think that's that is actually very fair that it doesn't ever feel like shoved down your throat. Mm-hmm. Like it does feel apropos for the film. It's not subtle, yeah. but it does feel appropriate for the film that it's making. Also, I just want to point out that West Side Story is the least Steven Spielberg film I think Steven Spielberg has ever made and that works so well so for much him. in favor it works for in his it. Favor yeah. entirely it does. But I also think it's important like if he was going to cuz I remember when it was announced he was doing West Side yeah, Story. you were super skeptical. I was very skeptical. I was very disappointed. I thought it would be a Steven Spielberg movie yeah. trying to do what is a beloved musical and something that yeah. is already so successful. Like, there is no need to remake this. Like, I yeah. think you can have it on Broadway. You could maybe, like, bring it back out that way. But I think having the movie as a, on its own is fine. And I was worried that it was going to be really, like, hunky-dory, kind of, like, family fun yeah. feel good movie <laughs> and yeah. he abandoned all of that he abandoned yeah. i think what like comes natural to him and really made something that's so poignant and i but what i also think is so great though is like if he had done the steven spielberg treatment to it he would have gotten so much flack <laughs> for so much so flack. much flack and it was so shocking and like surprising to me to like, sit in that theater, watch that movie, and actually enjoy myself. Like I was re- prepared to be miserable. <laughs> I was. I really was. I, I was ready to cry, and I was. Being, I thought I was going to leave, being like they ruined West Side Story, and it was so good, Nadim. It is. It is way better than you expect it to be, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, one of Steven Spielberg's best. Yeah. That like, truly... honestly, like. You should have yeah. gotten an Oscar for I, it. I wouldn't have complained if you wanted, like, Jane Campion deserves yes. it for Power of the Dog last mm-hmm. year, but I wouldn't have been surprised because it is it is really good work. He released it too late, though, and he didn't go to any festivals with it. No, but there was also the Ansel, Ansel Elgort, Elgort uh, issues. Yeah, drama as well. Yeah. Which is disappointing because, like you said, Tony is a wet blanket of a character. Like, Tony is yeah. the most... Is the disappointing? He's the part least interesting of the of the, but, of the like five main characters. He's the least interesting. But I was thinking like, West Side Story follows the lore of Romeo and Juliet. Yes, 
is Romeo somebody that I am like interested yeah, in? Is Romeo exactly. the person that I want to know more about? Not really. <laughs> no. No. And so it makes sense that Tony would sort of fall to the wayside. But it's so odd because the cr- the crux, the climax of this movie is his, this character's death. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how I don't care about him one bit. I'm not like upset about Tony's death, yeah. but I feel Maria when she is on that street. I was just going to say, it's less about Tony's death and more about Maria's sadness, mm-hmm. I think. And I think that's what grabs you is that, and that's, Natalie Wood does it so well. Fine, Rachel Zegler does it, she does it very, very well as well. Very well. But Natalie Wood, the original, the one we're talking about, does do it an excellent job of portraying that that moment. But also, like you said, is Romeo my favorite character? No, but neither is Juliet. They're both idiots. They're dum-dums. Honestly. They're dum-dums of characters. Romeo and Juliet is probably one of Shakespeare's weakest plays. Yeah. I want to know more about Tybalt. <laughs> yeah. I, the other characters are more interesting. Much like Anita. In this. <laughs> Anita and Bernardo and Riff are actually all super interesting right? characters. Riff, played by Amber Tamblyn's dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is an excellent dancer. Yes. Stunning. And he was, he, I was reading the IMDb <laughs> yeah, trivia. Yeah, of course. He was very disappointed in himself. Yeah, doing this. I, I read And then this. he, Fred Astaire went up to him and said, you did a great job. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. No, he's excellent he's in this. So he's good. really good. He's he, so good. He's, it's the, um, the Jack and Karen to the Will and Grace, I feel like. Riff and Anita yeah, are the that's Jack very and Karen true. to... Bernardo is very good too, but it really is Riff and Anita. They, they are the, the, the best characters yeah. in this, easily. And two very good performances. Mm-hmm. But it's Rita Marino, man. You can't say enough about her. She's so good. She's perfect in it. She's absolutely like pitch perfect. And I think... That's also it's also an interesting experiment to watch both of these films to, because the other thing is Ariana DeBose is also excellent in this. Yeah. And I think it's just because Anita is so well written. Mhm. Anita's an interesting character with interesting dialogue and one of the best songs. Yes. And th- three-dimensional. Three-dimensional yes. and just very interestingly done. Because she could so easily be just like the hot-headed Puerto Rican sister-in-law. But she's not. She understands love and emotion and the complexity of it. And to yeah. be able to do that in a musical through dance and through song, like that's yeah. what's so compelling. I mean, that that definitely is Sondheim and Bernstein who deserve that credit for ha- designing songs like um, like A Boy Like That and America and to really define what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And also that sexual assault scene yeah. oh is my gosh. still upsetting to watch. Every time... I skipped through it. <laughs> Why? I can't watch it. Like, it really... Oh, you skipped through that scene. Yeah. yeah, I get that. I skipped through that because it's really hard. Like, I feel for her in that moment. Yeah. I don't want anything bad to ever happen to Anita. Yeah. And, like... And you see the... I, I think you also get the escalation of, like, what the Jets are doing. I think they suddenly realize how far they've gone. Yeah. Like, it's a really... It's a hard scene to watch, but it is... It's riveting. It's riveting. It's not what would happen in real life, though. But not so much. Like she'd actually get raped? Yeah, she would. And yeah. I would be scared. Yeah. The new one does some interesting stuff with that sequence, too. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things in the new one that I was just like, this just seems like changing it for the sake of changing it. Like? Like in that scene, for instance, in the, in the 1961 version, there are no women. And anybody's yes. is actually in the room. But she is not, or they, I guess at this point, they would probably be they, are not participating. Mm -hmm. And they're looking and you could tell they're a little disgusted. And the new version, Anybody's Leaves, tells Anita to leave. Like, don't don't go in. And there are three girls actually in the Mm -hmm. room when it happens. And they're trying to stop the Jets from doing it. And then they're kicked out of the room. Why? And I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't I understand, like, what was the function of that? Why not have them question. leave? Like, why not have them leave? Because, yes, it's nice to know that you think that a woman would protect another woman regardless of where she's from. But I kind of would expect that. But also not always. In terms of, like, a sexual assault? I mean, I think it would be more, like... Mm. 
I know I would. <laughs> I, right? <laughs> <laughs> but when you are talking about race there's always that like what if there is that you know that actual vitriol hate within them and they don't care what happens or they feel like in this particular situation it's not like anita was and i'm not saying that this is an excuse but i could see yeah, yeah. a poor script saying like anita was like drunk and like yeah you know dressed a certain way or yeah that she had it coming whatever exactly is and so the intention if, if that it. was the scenario and those women would just stand idly by i could see that happening yeah because they are you know white prim and proper women compared to this puerto rican woman but yeah in this in the situation that's in the movie like it doesn't make any sense to actually put that to think that there could be any other reason for them to stand up for her yeah, yeah. it just it felt very off because the scene itself is very hard to watch regardless and like anita's discomfort and you know where things are going and you're also disappointed in the jets yeah because even though they're bad boys you think they're better than this yeah they should know better they should know better and they do know better and i think they realize they like because they're also they feel like they're at a disadvantage as well so why would you go and do something like that to someone else Yeah. yeah So, I mean, there are some things like that that just that rub me the not rub me the wrong way, but I'm just kind of like, what was the point? And the other thing I was trying to do is not put the original on a pedestal, Mm -hmm. but that was hard. It is hard to do. There is something in the new one that I loved about it that isn't in the original. And it's the let's talk about that, Mita. It's the use of the Spanish language in in the new one. I think that that and like his purpose for doing that. Steven Spielberg felt like if they are living in New York City in that time. They don't need subtitles to understand each other. So they are going to speak Spanish to one yeah. another. They're not going to have to, you know, try to translate into English. And I think that that's a really smart way of putting that into your movie and not include the subtitles for your non-English speaking audience or non-Spanish speaking audience. Non-Spanish speaking yeah. audience. Yeah. And I think what it does, I think if you look at Steven Spielberg's filmography as well, it's very white. It is. And this is a, First time I can think of of him like actually expanding beyond. I can't think of him in any. He he has the color purple. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he has Amet, which is a big block movie. I've never seen the color purple. I've never seen the color purple okay. either. There we go. So that's two of us, and it he has Amistad, which is I've about slavery. But Amistad's a dud, which I've never seen, but it just doesn't have great ratings. Okay. Otherwise, it's a very white filmography. Okay. And this seems like the first time that he really understood race like it really seems like his grasp of what he's talking about it felt authentic like he didn't seem like a it didn't seem like crash like a white man talking to other people about race it sounded it felt like someone really got it i think if anyone is though it would be him he understands what it's like to be discriminated against and he knows what it's like to put that on film schindler's list yeah and having now watched the Fablemans, <laughs> yeah, I know that he went through that growing up. Like I know that yes, that was a the anti-Semitism. So I think he can understand being in that position, and mm-hmm. then I think probably he just worked from that, from what that emotion is and what that is for him. That's fair, and I'll I'll give him that for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that the new movie does better is also try to flesh out the love story a little bit. Because the other thing about West Side Story is that the love story is the least interesting thing happening. Did you say the new movie does that better? The new movie does it better overall, but the love story in general in both films is the least interesting thing about West Side Story. Yeah, for me, it's Jets versus Sharks. <laughs> that's like Jets that's what I'm there sharks. for. That's my Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just Jets versus Sharks. It's the assimilation of the Puerto Ricans. It's the racism. It's it's all of that. Mm-hmm. It's how the music and the dance and even how something in Mambo, the way they're dancing is meant to be a visual representation of their cultures and how they move differently than each other. Like it's really quite something to see. But this love story between this beautiful Puerto Rican girl and this wet blanket is quite uninteresting. (laughs) Oh, Anton. He's just not interesting as a character. Uh, Yeah, he's a dud. (laughs) He's a dud. He's He's just flat out not interesting. Uh And, you know, I think there's another movie where I would hate on the love story more if everything else wasn't so, so, so good. But I wonder if he was compelling, would that make this better? I don't think what's making meant... him compelling. 
I can't even think because Tony is such a <laughs> boring person. But yeah. like, what if he did have that bad boy edge? Like, what if there was some, what if you, you know, he did maybe rough up somebody and we saw him do it when it wasn't like in terms of him defending himself? Yeah. What if that was there? Would we think like, oh, Tony? No, we probably wouldn't. We would think no. like, Tony's the worst. <laughs> Which this, I don't walk away from this thinking Tony's the worst. I just think like, okay, he's just a boy. Yeah. And I also think the the thing about their relationship is that you are, the stakes are there. We've seen the story. We know what's going to happen. Even if you don't know how this is going to end, fine. But you know what they're up against and all of that. And it's the up against that is more interesting. What if Maria had fallen in love with Riff? That would be interesting. That would be... But Riff would have to like her. <laughs> but I think that's the, that's an interesting story. Somebody that's an interesting who is angle, so yeah. blue-blooded in a way. Yeah. Somebody that's so passionate and so stuck in their convictions falls in yep. love with this beautiful Puerto Rican girl. That is actually very interesting. Yep. Yeah. And her naivety allows her to ignore his racism. Yeah. Like there is, that's it actually, is that a sequel prequel idea, Mita? I guess it is now. I made yep. it up live here. You heard it first. <laughs> you heard it first. It's not a bad idea. It's definitely something interesting to be experimented that that's with. A, yeah. Do you have other ideas? I just want like a <laughs> Anita and Bernardo like love story. I want to see how that all came to fruition. Because one thing I am confused, are they married? No. No, not. okay. They're not married. Where did they meet? Did they meet in Puerto Rico or did they, they meet I think in they York? met in Puerto Rico and then they came here. Yeah. And, you know, in a dream life, <laughs> in my fan fiction, yeah. um, Bernardo does not die yeah. <laughs> and they live long and happy together and they have kids and they exactly. run around. And like, what would they be doing today? Working. Anita would have a dress shop. I think Anita would have a dress shop and yeah. Bernardo would be middle management somewhere. <laughs> middle management. He's not going beyond that, unfortunately. No, probably not. Yeah. What if their kids, like, what if they did decide to go back to Puerto Rico? Or where's Anita today? Oh, yeah. Anita hates America now. Yeah. You ruined yeah. it for her. She might have gone back to Puerto Rico, to be quite honest. But, <sighs> or she recognized, or she's just here. And she probably married a Puerto Rican guy for sure. Yeah. Forgive me for not knowing history and geography and things like that. Was Puerto Rico a part of the United States when this came out? I'm not the person to answer that okay. question. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is part of the United States now. No, yeah. It is I a territory. I think at the time it was. Okay. It's like a territory. Yeah. Not a state. Should I look it up really quickly? Can you? Like, when is was, that a quick thing? Uh, when did Puerto Rico become America? the U.S.? First thing that comes. Oh, in 1898. So, yes, it oh, was. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. At the time of West Side Story, it was a part It was. Of that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> Thank you, Google. So, yeah. So, it was, which is why they're also in America. I want to. In the West Side. America. That is my favorite song, by the way. I didn't, oh my God, what's it's your my favorite, favorite song? song? It's America. Yeah. America and so Mambo. That, and cool. Like, I love cool. I do want to say. Hmm. I think the play I think the re-movement of songs in the second one is a nice attempt at reclaiming the like reclaiming the story and not having it be like a frame for frame remake. Yeah. But what you do in the new one to gain that like replacement and have cool be more relevant is lose that spectacular choreography. That dance in that garage Rita is iconic. And cool in the, in the second, it's in like the baseball field and like the... It's in the docks. In the docks, and they're, okay. It's oh, in the docks and... I did like that. Riff but... has got a gun and Tony is trying to talk to him and cool him down. Right. Before he uses the gun. So yeah, cool. it makes complete cool. sense. Yeah, boy, boy, crazy boy. It totally works. But it just... I think the other thing about the new one is that it tries to man up the boys. Because the choreography is a little bit more masculine. They're mm -hmm. not doing as many pirouettes or like leaps or like yeah. it's not as ballet heavy. And a lot of the songs with the boys, there isn't as much choreography. So like you do lose kind of some of that like. That sparkle. That spark. But I, want, I feel like if I saw that today, I might not like it as much. And I feel like it would feel more. It would it would feel like it's trying to be a yeah. remake as opposed to it's a retelling. Thing. Yeah. Because, like, that's the issue when you have things like, and we didn't even get into what is what it's like for when people decide to remake these classic movies. But, like, when you have something like Psycho, 
and it's yeah. meant to be a shot by shot remake. Like, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? Yeah. I do think that you can justify remaking this, retelling it the way Steven Spielberg does, because he does, there is a different approach to it. Mm-hmm. There is a, you know, there is, there's a lot of different things. Does it all work? No. Does it have the same electricity? No. I will also say that because the first one is it's something else. And the second one, because I think the focus is less on the dance and less on the song and more on the story, and the story is a bit of the weaker part of the movie, the movie just doesn't have the same, I think, like, same fire burning under it. Than original does. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think the Romeo and Juliet part of the story is the tired part of this in yeah. both versions. Yes. Like at no point was I wondering invested what's in that love story. Them. Yeah, I always want to know what's going on with the jets and the. Sc- I almost called them scarves. The jets <laughs> and the sharks. Yeah, and and Anita, man, and Anita, Anita man. kills it. Anita kills it yeah. in both movies. She's extraordinary as a character. Yeah, I'm gonna go into my rating. Okay. I hated this movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I love West Side Story. I like truly, truly love West Side Story. And I was really looking. This was the first movie. I love Casablanca. There's like other things I really enjoyed. West Side Story is a top 10 film for me. Mm -hmm. It is an all-time favorite film of mine for many reasons. And one thing I actually didn't say is that West Side Story was one of the first old movies I saw on my own. And when I watched it that time, it was one of those movies that I was just like, wait, so old movies can be good. And they don't have to feel old and they don't have to feel dated and they don't have to feel that way. And it was one of the first things I saw that had me go back and look at classics and reevaluate how I felt about film. It had a really, uh, like a big effect on how I viewed film and how I viewed older film especially came from West Side Story because this is a movie from the 60s that you expect is going to be stale and 60 years later it is not it is still vibrant it is still fun it is still such a ride to watch this film it uses the intermission well it has it comes exactly at the halfway point there is it's everything about this from the way it's shot to the way it's edited from the transitions from like drawing to real life that amazing silhouette of Manhattan in the beginning over the like prelude music and then we go into a real it's just so the much about this technicolor transition with that's technicolor my transitions yeah. it's so good this movie is so so good i cannot express it enough If you are a fan of musicals and you haven't seen this, you need to stop listening and go watch this right now. This is an amazing film that has its flaws largely in the romance that is meant to be the driving force of this film and in Tony's blandness. But everything else about this is so good. The music is so good. The choreography, how it's shot, everything about this is just so laser-focused on doing everything right. We didn't even talk about it, and we should. Did this deserve best picture? I don't think there's any question. (laughs) Just to respect the other movies, I am going to mention them. We have Fanny, The Guns of Navarone, The Hustler, and Judgment at Nuremberg. And there's just... Yeah, I've heard of some of these, but they are not West Side Story. This won 11 Academy Awards and was the record for the longest time with reason. And when you look at the trajectory of the Academy Awards and we see what's happening now with the Academy Awards, this is the Academy making the right choice. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it has stood the test of time, the fact that 60 years later, one of the greatest living filmmakers of our time decided to remake it, is ballsy when you put it that way, actually. Yeah. But the fact that someone felt necessary to like remake this classic, that music was used in a Gap commercial in the '90s, and it was, it was, it had a resurgence. The choreography is insane. Like I could go on and on and on. West Side Story is so effing good, and that's why it gets five stars from me. Wow. Yeah, I was between four and a half and five, and then I was like, no, I effing love West Side Story. Can I tell you my first story with West Side Story? Yes, please. I didn't get into it, but I will now. Picture this. It is 
2006, and I'm in an HMV. Yes. (laughs) I'm 15 years old, and I'm looking at these movies and seeing all the pink stickers on them that say $3, and I see this one called West Side Story, and my Mm -hmm. friend says to me, have you even seen that? And I was like, yes, it's a great movie. I had not seen West Side Story. (laughs) I just knew of its lore, and I bought said DVD. Mm-hmm. Fast forward four years later, I have this DVD in my collection. I have never seen it. And finally, one day I say, okay, let me just like see what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I cried the first time I watched West Side Story because, like I said, there there is this just this enigmatic energy that comes when you watch it it's so exciting it's so exhilarating it's all the things i love about musicals it's song it's dance and then it's a love story so when you're teenage mitha like that's so exciting (laughs) adult mitha doesn't really care for it yeah (laughs) but teenage mitha is obsessed and each time i watched it after that which were quite a few times Mm mm-hmm I still that still resonates and that's so hard to do. I don't know what the recipe for that is, but whatever they did in 1961, it's continued on into 2022. Yeah. And I I like what's not to what is what is there to say that hasn't been said yeah. about it? Like it's just actually it's a feeling when you watch it. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm probably going to feel the same way when I watch Chicago because I get that exact same feeling. But I think this viewing, the thing that stood out the most for me is it gets everything right. Even the things that aren't good, it gets right. Like we mentioned Tony not being that mm-hmm. great of a character. It's okay because it works in the movie. Yeah. Anything else probably would have fell short. Mm-hmm. You know, the story in this one isn't the most compelling part. I think it is the song and the dance. I think that's what really drives it. And so if you were going to be like a real critique of this, maybe that's what you would say. Like yes. the story isn't as compelling. I don't care. It's still a beautiful movie. And you don't get things like that. And up until this point, we've watched maybe three or four musicals. And I haven't gotten that feeling mm-hmm. from any of those musicals. And a musical... As much as people like to make fun of them, or as much as people think they aren't serious, they are so difficult to make. And it's hard to nail all of those things. And this one, it just does it. I don't know how they did it, but they did. And it's so good. And I landed at five stars as well. Oh, look at that. Look it's at our us. first perfect film. We love West Side Story. We love West Side Story. We do. Honestly, as a person who constantly is talking about story and how important story is, you talk about West Side Story and I'm like, I don't give a rat's ass that the story is just lame in this. It doesn't matter. It's a story that's been told so many times. So many times. (laughs) Nothing is new. But what's new about it is everything else. Yeah. That's the thing. Because I can't think of anything before 1961 that has that vibrancy and that just think of everything else we've watched, Meet. Does anything even compare? No. Like Nothing maybe like is that all about Eve. To me. Maybe Casablanca as movies that are exciting they're and on actually the verge. they're on the verge. This is it's completely different. Mm-hmm. I wonder how I feel when I'll watch Chicago though. Oh, you'll yeah. That might be my other. <laughs> that might be your other. Five You're gonna have a few five stars. I know Do where they think? are. Yep. I'm not gonna Michael say where. Huh? <laughs> Michael Clayton. <laughs> Yes, Michael Clayton. <laughs> Michael Clayton. Look at us at 10. Look at us at a perfect 10. I wonder if 10. this will be the only 10. It might be, actually, because it needs to require both of us to get to five. Yeah. So this might be the highest rated. Oh, boy. Interesting. But we'll have to find that out in 2024. <laughs> We've got a long ways to go and a long movie up next week. But before we do that... Mm-hmm. Meet that we got a little game to play. We do. So last week, you had me connect everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. So we're connecting Oscar movies right now. So Meet yes. had me connect everything everywhere all at once to Meet the Nice Oscar Hopeful RRR. Yep. So I mm-hmm. am going to have Meet connect Oscar Hopeful RRR. Yeah. To Golden Globe winner. Okay. The Fablemans. Okay. And the timer <laughs> starts now. Okay, so RRR stars Alia Bhatt, yep. who is in Brahmastra, Brahma- Brahmastra. Brahmastra, part one. Yep. 
with Amitabh Bachchan, right? Yep. He's in it. Okay. Amitabh Bachchan is in Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. Yep. Which stars Leonardo DiCaprio, who starred in Catch Me If You Can, directed by one Steven Spielberg, who directed The Fablemans. Excellent. There, I did it. That was it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And that was the one way I actually figured it out, too. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It was through Amitabh Bachchan and Great Gatsby. Yeah. Because that's like your easiest connection. That, yeah. That's yeah. what I get. Or you also could have done, I guess, Tom Hanks. But Amitabh Bachchan was never in anything with Tom Hanks. So no, you can't. No. <laughs> Amitabh Bachchan's not in many North American movies. No, not in many North American I films, I think it's no. just The Great Gatsby. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So yeah. That. There you go. So next week, Meet, I'll be connecting the Fablemans to something. Oh, yeah. Oh. We'll see. We'll find out. Yep. Because in next week's episode, we are watching another film. Mita, what are we watching? Next week, we are <laughs> dedicating our time and souls to Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, three hours and 28 minutes. If we make it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to watch it like a mini series again. Yeah. But here we go. Lawrence of Arabia. Or, 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 uh, sorry. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Last time you said Lawrence of Arabia. No, it's actually from Sex in the City 2, where Kim Cattrall says Lawrence of Mylabia. And you hate Samantha. I do hate How Samantha. How do you hate She's her when she has lines like that? But I know. <laughs> but anyways, we are watching Lawrence of Arabia, which I have never seen. Mm. But I've been told I should. So I've seen well, parts. Like you had seen parts with Ben-Hur? Yeah. Okay. Like it's been on. I'm like, okay, cool. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to sit down and watch it. Fantastic. Fantastic. But before we watch Lawrence's labia, <laughs> Mita, do you have any parting words? <laughs> yes, I do. Wait, do you want to do? I'll do one and then you do the second. Oh, we'll yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mambo. Mambo. Go. go. <laughs> we said it off tune, but that's okay. It it's again? playing right now. S- sing it the proper way for me. It's Mambo. Mambo. Go. Okay, we'll do it again. You want to do it that way? Yeah. Mambo. Mambo. Go. Go. Yeah, it's, the timing <laughs> no, is we'll off. It <laughs> Anyways, it's playing right now. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next week for Lawrence of Arabia. Uh-huh. Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can send us an email at moviestowatchpod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at moviestowatchpod, and check out our letterbox at movies, the number two, watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.